I preach messages and I don't know who I'm preaching to. I ain't got a clue. Not everybody's going through a storm when you preach on a storm. And, you know, different times you're helping different people. But if I had everybody raise their hand this morning that had been tempted this week, if you were honest, you'd put your hand up. Because we all face temptation. Every last one of us. I hate to say this, but a lot of times I don't do so well with it. James said, verse number 13 of James 1, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now I want you to look at a verse in Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 3. Look what Paul says about temptation. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. The more I get to studying, the more I see the importance of how we think. As a matter of fact, I believe how we think is all... Everything about temptation, I believe, is how... We think. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, Lord, I've got some profound truths that you've given me for this morning's service. Lord, would you perk everybody's ears up in this building? Lord, there might be some people that could employ this this week in their life, and it would make a profound difference. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for everything that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When I, took, when I went through BLET, we took patrol techniques from a big old burly highway patrolman. And one day in the classroom, he said, we're going to go down and I'm going to teach you how to remove a man from a car. And we went down and parked in front of the school was a car and the window was rolled down and a man was sitting in that car and it was another highway patrolman and he had a hold of the steering wheel. And so we walked up and we said, get out the car. He didn't even recognize us as being there. And we yelled and screamed and get out the car and we got out batons and we got the door open and we threatened and coerced and grabbed his arms and shook and Never could get him out of that car. We never did get him out of the car. He wasn't coming out of the car. He had a hold of that steering wheel, and he wouldn't look at us, and bless goodness, he wasn't coming out. We got done with all that yelling and screaming and beating and thrashing and dragging, and finally that highway patrolman that was in charge of the class, he walked out there and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He shut the door back on that car. He said, do you believe I can get him out through that window? We all said, no way. He said, watch me. He reached through that window and grabbed that old boy by the ears. 
And in one motion, he twisted and corkscrewed him out of that car through that window and onto the ground. And that, that fella yelling and screaming the whole way. And here's what he said. He said, wherever the head goes, the body will soon follow. And if it doesn't, there's a, there's a problem. There's a major problem if the body don't follow where the head goes. He said, control the head, control the body. He drug that boy's head out of that car. He couldn't get his body out of it fast enough. The head was coming out, so the body was coming out. Amen. You know the same is true in your spiritual life. If you'll control your head, you can control your whole life. Change your mind change your life and so that's what I want to think about I want to think about how we think again I know I've preached on it and preached on it but can I say to you that we when it comes to temptation it's all about what's in between our temples it's all about how we think about things and so I want us to think about that again this morning you see your mind is a battlefield did you know that your mind is a battlefield I learned something this week when I was studying on wrestling. I was thinking about how that I have a wrestling match in my mind, according to Romans 7. And so I got to thinking about wrestling. I found out something interesting. Did you know that every year in the United Kingdom, they have an international thumb wars championship? Did you know that? Look it up. They got little thumb wars rings where you stick your thumb through a ring and Thumb wars. How many of you have played thumb wars growing up? One, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. I tell you what we need to do uh, is we need to take control uh, of our minds uh, and say one, two, three, four, I declare a thought war uh, because that's exactly what's happening. Uh, inside your mind is a battle. Uh, inside your mind is a warfare. Uh, and it's constantly a bombardment uh, inside the mind uh, of things that are tempting you to do the wrong thing instead of doing the right thing. God showed me something this week and when I saw it, I went, can that be? And so what I did was the next day, I said, I'm going to try this because you know what, Brother Billy, I knew I'd be tempted. I'm tempted at the house. You can't open, hardly open up your cell phone to any kind of social media platform but what you ain't tempted to do something. And temptation isn't necessarily fornication. It can be a lot of things. You can be tempted to worry. As a matter of fact, one of my greatest temptations is to worry about everything. That's a temptation of the devil because worry is sin. I knew I'd be tempted, so I thought, well, God's give me this. I'm going to employ it. I employed it the next day, and I was like, huh, that works. That works. Let me tell you what the problem with church is. A lot of the problems with church is we just tell people to quit doing it. That's, a, that's the advice of most preachers. Well, just quit that. You smoking, quit it. You cussing, just quit that. You having bad thoughts, well, just quit it. What's our problem, though? We can't quit. 
Anybody with me this morning? Maybe I'm the only one that struggles in this whole church, but I got an idea that everybody in here has something they struggle with. And you thought, I'll quit it. But then it gets you again, don't it? Come on now, not your little baby said. Some of y'all sitting there going, oh boy, I hate to say yes to this. Everybody going to think I'm the biggest sinner in the whole building. We all face it. What if, I could, what if I told you that I can show you something right there in the Bible that you can employ this week, and it won't make you sinless, but it will make you sin less. What if I told you there's a, it's not a trick. I almost used the word trick. It's not a trick. It's something that's right there in the Bible. It's been there the whole time. But if you'll employ it, you'll have a, you'll have a better chance of overcoming temptation this week. And I'm not talking about just telling you to do better. I'm talking about honestly a Bible truth that'll help you do better. All right, y'all with me? Everybody with me just a minute? This ain't going to be like my normal preaching. I may not run and jump pews and all that stuff, but I'm going to give you the goods this morning. Y'all ready? Here's some goods. All of this is predicated. Everything I'm about to teach you this morning is predicated on this thought. Every temptation that the devil brings in your life is predicated on a lie. Now, you got to accept that. If you don't accept that part, none of the other stuff I'm going to teach you this morning is going to help you. You've got to accept the fact that the devil is lying to you. Did you know Jesus said that the devil was the father of lies? As a matter of fact, the only thing the devil can create is a lie. He's never created anything else. He's a liar, and everything he creates is a lie. But now I want to ask you a question. What gives a lie its power? You ever thought about that? The only way a lie can have power is if you believe it. So if I said to you, for instance, if I said the porch was made out of lava, and anybody that goes out on the porch is going to go to a fiery death as soon as you step out that back door. If you don't believe it, that holds no power over you. But if you believe it, guess what? It holds power over everybody in this building, the power to keep them from going outside. It doesn't make it true, but when you believe a lie to be true, it's the same as if it were true in your life. And if you'll get that down pat, you're, you're halfway there. I can help you this morning if you'll just realize that when you believe a lie, it seems like the truth once you believe it. My house, I got an old dog. Milo, everybody knows Milo. Milo's blind. When he was younger, he loved to get out and roam around. And so I put one of them fence, them collars on him, under, you know, wireless collar. And Milo's a very smart dog. Shocked him about twice. I didn't train him. I didn't put the little flags up, nothing. I guess I'm mean. I just turned the collar on, turned him loose, and let him get shocked where he got shocked. And before long, he realized where he'd get shocked, and he quit going there. Did you know Milo's still wearing that old collar? He's lost a bunch of weight with his diabetes and whatnot, and that old collar hangs down here like this now. Don't even touch his neck. Did you know that battery in Milo's collar has been dead probably three years? There's no threat to that collar at all. He can go wherever he wants to go, but he don't. 
You know what's holding him in the yard? A lie. A lie. It's not even true anymore, Brother Marvin, but it's got the power because he believes it. It's got the power to keep him in the yard. I was reading this week about Houdini. When I was going to preach this message to young people, I asked Greg and I said, does anybody y'all's age still know who Houdini is? She said, yeah, Dad, we know Houdini. I said, okay, I'm going to use it then. You know what Houdini would do? Every town Houdini would go into to work his magic tricks, the first place he'd go was to the jail. And he'd challenge the sheriff. He'd say, I bet I can get out of your jail. I can get out of any jail. They'd take Houdini in there, and what he'd do is he'd follow the jailer, and he'd watch the jailer and see which way he turned the key. And then that way he would know when he got his tools out of his sleeve and put his hand around which way to turn the key to unlock the door. And they could, no jail in the United States could hold him. He would be out in a matter of minutes standing in front of the jailhouse, inviting people to his show and getting everybody all worked up. But one time a jailer outsmarted him. That jailer, when he went to put Houdini in the cell, he turned the key the opposite direction, actually unlocking it, and slid it shut and pulled it out. Houdini was standing behind a door. It wasn't even locked. It was unlocked. But the whole time, for 45 minutes, he worked, and all he did was lock himself in. He was turning it the wrong way. He was held in that prison house by lie. Can I tell you this morning, the devil is in the business of holding you in prison with a lie. A lie. It's not even the truth. He's convinced you it is the truth, and so you accept it as being true. Tell you something I found out this week, Brother Allen, it makes makes me mad. Did you know there's no scientific basis to not swimming after you eat? But everybody in here believes that's the truth. Thanks a lot, Mom. All them 30 minutes that I could have been swimming, Colton, instead I was sitting on waiting for my peanut butter and jelly to settle. Because everybody knows you can't go swimming after you've eaten. But it's a big fat lie. Do you know media has conditioned you to believe lies? Now, there's a few universal lies. There's a few universal lies that everybody believes about temptation. Here they are, real quick. It's things like everybody's doing it. Not everybody's doing it. That's a lie. That's a lie. The devil tells you to get you to do things. Everybody's doing it. Not everybody's doing it. People, it's not that bad. What I'm doing is not that bad. It is bad. The lie of I'll never get caught. You will get caught. That's a lie. So there's a few universal lies. But here's what I found out. Man, it's made a difference in my life this week. There's specific lies that the devil tells you for every temptation. I'm going to show you a few of them this morning. And if you'll start looking for them in your life, you'll see them too. And I hope that I can be a blessing and help to you this morning. All right, so there's a few things that I want you to know about lying. Three simple things. Three simple things. Number one, you must realize your inability. In Romans 7, Paul goes through this dissertation about how that 
there's two within him and there's a battle within and there's a fight within and he finally ends that up, Dinsdale, by just saying, Oh, wretched man that I am! In Philippians 4, 10 years later, Paul says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am there to be content. What in the world happened to him between Romans 7 and Philippians 4? He figured something out. Between Romans 7, when Paul said, my flesh is unwieldy and I can't do anything with it, and it's, there's this, this, always this desire to do wrong, and Philippians 4, Paul figured something out. I'd say it'd be worth me and you figuring it out. Paul has figured something out. I can show you what he figured out. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 3. Watch it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds Casting down imaginations uh, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me tell you what Paul learned. Paul learned he couldn't do it by himself. I've got bad news for you. You can't do it by yourself either. There's a reason you've not been able to quit that sin. There's a reason that every time you're tempted, you give in to the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's because you're trying to beat it. It's because you think you can do it. It's because you think you've got it figured out. It's because you think your will is enough, but your will's not enough and your flesh is not enough and what Paul learned was this I've got to have the help of the Spirit of God I can't do this on my own if I'm going to overcome temptation it's going to have to be a God inside of each of you that are saved is the supernatural resurrection power of the almighty God to overcome temptation So the first thing you've got to realize is that self-reformation won't do it. Changing behavior won't do it. You say, oh, I'll just change my behavior. That's, That's what we're taught, right? You change your behavior. And as a man, at times, I'm tempted to think that way. Well, bless God, I'm a man. I'll just quit that. I bless goodness, I'm, I, can, I can do this. I, I'm, I'm big and I'm strong and I've got, a, I've got an iron wheel. And I might do good for a few days. But then I get right back into it. Come on now. Some of you, I ain't going to worry about money no more. I know that's a sin, be all worried about money, sitting around wringing my hands, watching my bank account, worried about my money. I know that, that the lie that I have to believe, if I'm going to worry about money, the lie I've got to believe is that God is not able to take care of me without my help. And that's a lie. And so I'm just not going to worry about money anymore. I'm making money. But then what do you do? What a bank collapsed. Oh, my. Somebody give me my computer. Let's look into it. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. Let's, let, well, up, up, up. Oh my, there's a bill that I can't pay. Oh my, there's this trouble or that trouble. Huh? 
And we could go on and on and on. I ain't going to go there no more. I ain't going to look at her no more. I ain't going to talk to him no more. I'm not going to look at that on the internet no more. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. But let's be honest, if we were to put our success rate down, it would be like 20% or maybe lower. Everybody keeps flopping back into the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's because we're trying to do it. You're trying to do it. You can't do it. It's going to take the help of God. But luckily, there's an answer in the Bible. There's an answer in the Bible. And when I stumbled on it this week, I looked at it and I went, wow. Look what Paul says right there in verse number 4. Give me uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Watch this phrase to the pulling down of strongholds. You know what the strongholds were? The strongholds were the place in the city where the, where the leaders would run. They were towers. The leaders would run and hide there during an attack. And then you could attack the city all you wanted to, plumage whatever you wanted to plumage, but you'd never get to the leader, see, because he was held in the stronghold. And so when the attack was over, the leader just come running back out, and it was just like it always was. But God said, when it comes to the way we think, he said there's a way that we can pull down the strongholds. There's a way that we can get to the root of the problem. There's a way that we can take out the captain. There's a way that we can pull it down. Don't you want to know? how to do that wouldn't you like to sin less sir wouldn't you like to ogle them women less ma'am wouldn't you like to worry less sir wouldn't you like to quit all that self-loathing and all that apathy in your life I mean all of these things are things the devil tempts us to and y'all are afraid to nod your head because we're in an independent Baptist church and you're afraid somebody looking at you down the, down the aisle going, oh, I knew, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. They're looking at you, but you can look back at them and go, oh, I knew. Because <laughs> that bunch sitting there holier than thou, they just hoping you don't figure out what they're into. <laughs> hey, that's exactly right. The longer I live, Brother Marvin, the more I realize everybody's got a hang-up. Everybody's got a problem. Wouldn't you like to not do that so much, though? How many of you like me? You give in to your hang-up, you give in to your problem, and then you feel like a, you feel like lower than a whale's belly. You just feel, oh, I can't believe I've done that again. Oh, I'm the sorriest Christian that ever lived. I prayed stuff like that. Lord, you know I'm the sorriest Christian you got. No doubt the worst preacher on the planet. I can't believe you'd even let me go back to church on Sunday. You ought to kill me dead, Lord. I mean, that's the way I've failed. I've failed God again. I disappointed God again. Is anybody else in this building like me? There's an answer. There's an answer. Let me roll it out for you. The first thing that you've got to do is recognize the lie. It's step one. Recognize the lie. Now, what did I tell you? Every temptation is predicated on a lie. The devil has to get you to believe a lie before he can get you to commit a sin. 
The lie, I got to thinking, Tanya, this week, what is the common denominator? Because it seems like temptation has all these different avenues and all these different ideas. But I was getting to think, if there was one common denominator where we could defuse it, Jen, at the beginning, boy, that, that would be revolutionary. The common denominator is the lie. The devil first half has to convince you of a lie. Watch this. Maybe you're tempted to indulge in some destructive addiction. For example, maybe you're going to take some pills. Maybe you're going to smoke. Maybe you're going to have a drink. Whatever it is. Here's the lie the devil tells you for that temptation. He says, you're too stressed and you can't handle it. He looks at you and he says, because of the stress in your life, you've got to have this. You can't get over the stress. It's the only way you can calm down. That's a lie. And you'll never get over your addiction until you look at that and go, "What? you know what, that's a bald-faced lie. I can have peace without that. I can get through my stress without that. I can get over this without that. But as long as you tell yourself, I've got to have it or I can't make it. I've got to have it or I can't get past it. I've got to have it or I can't maintain. As long as you tell yourself that, you're accepting the lie. And what I tell you about a lie, if you believe a lie is true, it affects your life as if it is true. First thing, suppose you're tempted to indulge in self-pity. That's a sin. Did you know that? It's a sin, but some people measure on it. Then the lie that you've got to believe, the lie that you've got to believe is that you've got it harder than anybody else. Nothing ever goes good for you in your life. You are never good enough. That's the lie you've got to accept. There are people that's got it just as bad as you do. There are people that's got a hard time. Just, but you've got to believe the lie that your situation is worse than everybody else's situation. And then next thing you know, it's, oh, poor is me. Come on now. Some of y'all to holler, hey, man, owe me something. Maybe you're tempted to run with the party crowd. If you're going to do that, you've got to believe the lie that your self-worth is dependent upon what other people think of you. And if you can't impress your friends, then you don't have any, you don't have any worth. That's a lie. But the devil has to convince you that it's the truth before you'll commit that sin. So he's a professional at lying to you. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible, and then we're all going to say hallelujah. I want you to look with me, if you will, in Luke 4. Actually, you can turn over there, but I'm not going to quote them. John 8, John 8, 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So here's our big idea. Tune in with me in about 10 more minutes. Here's my big idea. If we're going to overcome temptation, pretty half-dressed woman walks by. I'm a red-blooded American male just like everybody in here, and I ain't no homosexual. Amen. And so I'm going to do whatever everybody else in here is going to do, all you other men, I'm going to go. And immediately a lie comes. 
The lie is there's no harm in looking. That's the lie. You've all told it to yourselves. Probably some of you women. I don't know. I ain't never been a woman. My, my pronouns are thee and thou. It's King James. Amen. I them King James pronouns. I ain't got no he or she or, she or, or it or whatever. I've just got he. Amen. Me. I ain't never been no woman, but I know many Pearl used to say that didn't matter if you look, worked up your appetite or looking in the refrigerator, it's okay to look in the refrigerator as long as you didn't eat or something like that, some kind of craziness. So that's the lie. We think to ourselves, it don't matter if we look. But it's a lie because you know what happens? We stare and begin to fornicate in our minds. Every last one of us. You, know, you men know I'm telling you the truth, and maybe it's true for women too. I don't know. But I know it's true for men. Yeah, man. <laughs> One little old hen peck feller said, hey, man. But he had more guts than the whole rest of the crowd. <laughs> so we got to believe that lie. It don't matter if we look. That's a lie. But we got to believe it. But we know that the truth is the opposite of the lie, and the truth is freedom. You see, in lies, you're trapped. Lies are what keeping Milo in the yard today. Lies are why he don't get to run rabbits and squirrels. He's blind now. I don't know if he can find them, but lies is what keeps him in the yard. Truth. So I'll set you free. Now, in John 4... The Lord is taken out. Here's, here it is. Y'all ready? Here we go. Come all this way, and I'm giving it to you right here. Here we go. In John 4, the Lord is taken out in the wilderness and tempted of the devil. And you know what the devil does to the Son of God? Lies to him. Because it's all he knows how to do. He's a one-trick pony. He's a one-trick pony. He brings the Lord out into the wilderness, and here's what he says. He says, if, if thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. You say, how is that a lie? Well, number one, there wasn't no if about it. He was the Son of God, and Satan knew it. But the inference is that Jesus would starve to death out there in the wilderness if he didn't do something about it. The inference was that Jesus had to turn those rocks into bread or he was going to starve to death. It was a lie. You know what Jesus did? He took that lie and he replaced it with truth. That's it. It's that simple. Watch what the Lord did. He saw that if thou be the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And he said, it is written. Then he quotes out of the book of Deuteronomy. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Did you see what Jesus did when he was tempted? He recognized he was being lied to, and he called it out as a lie. He said, that's a bald-faced lie. 
He said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to grab that lie. I'm going to pull down the stronghold. I'm going to replace it with the truth of the Word of God. The Bible said, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He took the lie, grabbed it, pulled it down, and put the truth in its place. Well, the, the devil got smart. Takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple. Let's see, was that the next temptation? No, that wasn't the next temptation. The next lie, yeah, he took him up on the, on the pinnacle of the, of the temple. And he told him, he said, all the world has been given to me. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, you can have it all. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. That was a lie. They weren't the devils to give. He lied the Lord. So what did the Lord do? He recognized that lie. He tore down its stronghold. He replaced it with the truth. And he said, listen, the Lord is the only one to be worshipped. Thou shalt worship, as it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. What did he do? He recognized the lie Satan was telling him. He tore it down. He replaced it with the truth. That's the only way you can overcome temptation is when you realize you're being lied to. You take away its power by saying, I ain't going to believe it. You tear it down. Then you put the truth of the Word of God in there and you say, here's what the Bible said. Then Satan Satan got real smart. He said, uh, oh, I see this game we're playing. We're quoting Scripture. Okay. He said, cast yourself off this mountain, off this temple at It's written that the angels have charge over you. They'll catch you. Did you know the devil can quote scripture and make that a lie? (laughs) That'll blow your mind. Preachers are standing in pulpits across America today preaching lies and quoting Bible verses. Because they're not rightly dividing. What Jesus did, he he wasn't fooled by the... Satan quoting scripture at him. He just took that lie. He said, that's a lie. I don't care if you did put a Bible verse on it. It's a lie. He replaced it with truth. The truth was, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So you say, preacher, how does all of this work? Okay, I get it. When I'm being tempted, I've got to recognize it's a lie. I got to grab a hold of that lie and tear it down and replace it with truth. But how in the world can I do it? Can I give you a few examples? I'm just going to give you a few examples and then you can take it home, work on it for yourself. I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you're tempted to cheat and get ahead. The temptation is, I'll just cheat a little right here so I can get ahead. So here's the lie you have to believe. The lie you have to believe is that if you had more, you would be happy. That's one of the devil's favorite lies. If you had more, you'd be happy. If you had more money, more cars, more jewels, more riches, you'd wear a smile. 
The lie, and that's the lie. And so what you got to do is you got to grab that lie, and you've got to say, oh, I know you're lying to me, devil. I, I know that ain't the truth. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because the Bible said in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am there to be, to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So the Bible says Jesus is all I need, devil. I don't need money. I don't need riches. I don't need things. You're a liar. That's how you overcome temptation. Let me give you another one. Maybe you're tempted to be a victim. Remember I just told you what's a lie. Nothing good ever happens to me. You say, you mean preacher? That's a sin? Yes! It's a confounded sin, whether you put it on Facebook or not. When everything's bad in my life. Or you make a vague status so people ask about it. Just another bad day. Because you want people to get on there and say, oh honey, everybody loves you. I'm always tempted to ride on one of them statuses like that. Yeah, and it only gets worse from here. (laughs) You ladies, I feel so ugly. None of you men ever post that because you know how men are. They'd be like, yeah, you're right. You're the ugliest mug I ever seen in my life. What an ugly. But you women... Oh, you look so beautiful. Such a, can you imagine Bobby posting a post? I look so ugly. And me getting on there saying, Bobby, you the prettiest feller I ever seen. That's how you women act. And y'all done used enough filters, they wouldn't be able to find you if you went missing. The FBI, the FBI couldn't figure out what you look like. But we're tempted, right, to go, oh, woe is me. Nobody loves me. See, when you're tempted like that, what you got to do is you got to grab that and say, that's a bald-faced lie. That's not the truth. The Bible said in Romans 8, 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I've got news for you, devil. I'm a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. It's not, hey, I've not got it all bad. Not everything's wrong. You got to grab that as a lie. And shove the truth down his throat. Watch this. Maybe you're, maybe you're tempted on that destructive habit. As I told you, the lie is that you need it to deal with your stress. But you got to grab a hold of that and say, no devil. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't need you. I don't need that destructive habit. I've grabbed a hold of that. You're a bald-faced liar. All I need is Jesus. See how this works? Maybe it is that you've believed the biggest lie of all, and that is that your worth is dependent Dependent upon what other people think. Do you know some of you are addicted to what other people think? 
We all are some. Make that selfie. How does that look? Oh, that's not good. Maybe if I do it a little lower. No, a little higher. Oh, that's it, baby. Oh, ha, ha. Watch this, preaching selfie. Preaching selfie. Oh, that's going to be my photo. That's going to be my profile picture here in just a little bit. We're addicted to it. We want the likes, we want the shares. We want the, oh, you're great. You're wonderful. But the problem with that is when we're addicted to how people think about us, then we start doing what they think we should do in order to keep them happy. That's a lie. Your worth, listen to me, particularly you kids, your worth is not based on what other people say about you. I'm going to show you a picture. Put that picture up there, Rachel. It's something you didn't think you'd see at church today. She working. Ah! Does anybody in this building think that's a good-looking painting? One hand. I have yet to ever meet anybody that thought that was a good-looking painting. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, it's one of the ugliest piece of arts I've ever seen. Would it surprise you to know that it sold for $22 million last year? $22 million. Looks better to you now, don't it? You know why it sold for $22 million? It wasn't because nobody thought it was pretty. It's because it was painted by Picasso. The worth of the painting was not in what you and I thought about it. The worth in the painting was in who created it. Son, you'll get a hold of that here in a minute. I said the worth of that painting is not based upon what you and I think about it. It don't matter. I think it's ugly. I wouldn't hang it up in my house. If I found it, honestly, if I'd found it cleaning out a building, I'd have thrown it away. But it's worth $22 million, not because of what I think about it, but because of who created it. The Bible said in Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Hey, the devil says you've got to do what your friends want to do because your wealth, your, 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 your value is tied to what they think. You can take a hold of that and tear it down and say that's a bald-faced lie. My wealth is derived in the fact that I'm a child of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My wealth is derived from who my creator is. You're a liar, devil. I don't have to do what everybody says for me to do because my wealth comes from God. I could go on and on and on. You see that lady at work, it always gets your attention. You automatically look, but then you say, 
and your mind says, no harm in looking, you go, that's a bald-faced lie. It's a bald-faced lie. The Bible has said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look upon a maid? That's what the truth of the Word of God says. And you know what? If you'll grab that, tear it down, and quote that Scripture in your mind, or even quote it out loud if you need to, and you'll be consistent about that, let me tell you what you'll do. You'll start overcoming them temptations. You'll start recognizing them lies, tearing them down, replacing them with truth, living close closer to God, being a better Christian. It works. I'm telling you, if it worked for the Lord, it'll work for you. He did it as an example. So the choice is yours. When you get tempted, you're either going to decide to keep believing that lie. You've believed it and believed it and believed it and believed it. You can either decide to quit, keep believing that lie and never get over it. You'll get so far down in it, you'll, be, you'll, you'll realize you're in it. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to quit. But you never get to the place where you go, you know the reason I'm doing that is because I believe a lie and it's holding me in. And the next time the devil lies at me, I'm looking at him and I'm going to say, that's a bald-faced lie. But you come in here lying to me. I don't need that evening drink. That's a lie. I can live without that thing. I don't need to look at that woman. That's a lie. I can make a covenant in my eyes. I don't need this. I don't need that. That's a lie. I ain't got to have the approval of everybody. I'm good because God made me and he indwells me. I don't have to have their approval. That's a lie. Well, I'm telling you, if we get a hold of this, I'm going to preach on it again tonight. I ain't done. I got another whole... 45 minutes worth I'm going to deal with them some more, some more of these things. And I'm going to preach tonight on some more things. But if you want to overcome it, this is the beginning. I'm telling you. How many of you would like to do better? Boy, I would. I would. I'm glad the Bible is full of good practical truths. We don't just have to say, well, y'all do better. Everybody just leave out of here and do better. What's the matter, y'all? Get out here and do better. Lord have mercy, you're embarrassing the rest of us. No. We can say, here's what the Bible said. Here's what Jesus did. He recognized that lie, tore that lie down, replaced it with the truth. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, thank you, God, for this opportunity to pray. Best I can do, Lord, I've just shared the word of God. What you've really burdened our heart about for this week, I pray, Lord, that you'd move on hearts across this congregation. Folks that want to commit to living a better, cleaner Christian life. Commit to trying to overcome the temptations in their lives. To recognize the lies that Satan keeps telling them. Grab a hold of the lie, tear it down, place it with truth. Bless us and help us, Lord, to do that in our lives this week. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. My altar's filling up. I, I really don't have to give an altar call. I, I think the Lord spoke to hearts. So if you need to come, you come.